always considered it a great privilege to be able to come and to, to lead in worship and in delivering the message. As many of you know, or, or maybe even wondering this morning, where's the pastor? Uh, he and his family took a couple of days off and went to Waco to be with Morgan for homecoming at Baylor yesterday and uh, stayed through the weekend, so continue to pray with them, and certainly as they prepare to return home this afternoon that uh, you'll remember them in your prayers for a safe journey. question that I sometimes ask when I'm here, how many of you prayed about this service during the week? A few of you. How many of you came expecting this morning for God to do something special in this service? A few less of you. It's an interesting thing about worship. I think what a lot of this passage of Scripture talks us to us about is praying appropriately and coming expectantly. So even now as we prepare our hearts for what God has to say through this time, let us pray and change to expecting Him to do something great in this time. Let's pray. Father God, this is a special time of the week where Your people known as Your church have gathered in Your name. Not because of us, but because of You with the great privilege, with the great anticipation of worshiping You. Father, the choir and orchestra and others have led us to a time of preparation, a time of lifting up praises to You. And Father, we pray that, that You have accepted those gifts of praise and sacrifice as worthy of worship here today. Father, I pray now that the words that you have prepared for me today would truly be words for us as a congregation. Words that would speak to us, words that would meet our needs, words that would challenge us to become more individually and corporately to be the people that you have called us to be. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these few moments And Father, during this time, I just pray that you would help us to expect great things from you, to expect to feel your presence and to be made known that you are here. And Father, that we would be different when we leave this place than when we came in only because we have been touched by you. Father, I pray that you would open our ears and allow us to hear. Father, that you would open our minds and allow us to understand. And Father that you would open our hearts, allow us to be touched, allow us to be changed. Father, allow us to be broken, if that is your will for each of us here today. Father, we commit this time to you. Use it as only you can. All these things I pray in the strong name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We read from the scripture today, the reality that each of us face is that life can be tough. Life can be challenging. Sometimes we face things in life that we really don't want to face. But how would God call his people to face those times? How many times do we get sucked in in life to a point that we become overwhelmed and overcome? 
washed up, blown over. What do we do? A little story about chirpy, maybe a little bit of a, a ease to, to get us into a real serious message from Scripture today. Chirpy the parakeet. This story is shared by Max Licato in one of his books. But Chirpy the parakeet and his, his story, I think, speaks a lot of what this passage of Scripture talks about. And it all began one day when his owner decided it was time to clean up the cage. And they went in and picked up the vacuum cleaner, took off all the attachments and only had the hose there and turned it on and stuck it in the cage. And about the time they stuck it in the cage, the phone rang and they turned their head away and <laughs> there went Chirpy into the vacuum cleaner. She immediately responded and, and turned off the vacuum cleaner and opened up the bag and there poor little Chirpy was, still alive but covered in dust and soot and all the crud that was in the vacuum cleaner. She realized that she had to do something for poor little Chirpy, so she picked him up out of the bag and took him over to the bathroom sink and washed him up really good. By the time the bath was over, Chirpy was there shaking and didn't hardly know what to do. And so she took out the hairdryer and warmed him up and dried him off. But there Chirpy was, never really knowing what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially reported on this incident called the owner and said, How is Chirpy? Is he still alive? And she said, yes, but he doesn't sing very much anymore. He just sits there and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in and washed up and blown apart. You know, that's how life treats us sometimes. We get sucked in and we get blown hard and we don't know what to do. The story of Chirpy really is a silly little story, but it speaks a lot, I think, in a childish way about the passage of Scripture that we come to today. So we consider the, continue to consider the friends and foes as, as the early church began in the book of Acts. Uh, we come to that point today where I think it's really a, a new challenge to the church, a new challenge to those young Christians. And how do we respond and how do we let God be God as the church? Today it brings a great contrast to those two characters of friends and foes of the church. To look at Herod and to look at James and to look at at Peter, and then to look at the congregation of the, of the early church that was there. I think it brought the church, early church to a new crossroads of where do we go? Do we go at all? And I think, much like Chirpy, for the early church... How were they going to respond to being sucked in and to blown hard and washed up? Maybe even more today is how many of us here today are carrying that burden of being sucked in and washed out and blown by the world around us. That God could use this passage of Scripture to talk and speak to us. 
You see, the chip message today is really as much about the early church as it is about us today. But it comes with a challenge on the very front end because when we talk about martyrdom for the sake of your faith, we in the American church generally have a very difficult time in understanding what that means. We think it's things that are written about in the Scripture and certainly those times of the early church. Uh, maybe it could have been during those times of the Crusades and maybe some of the real struggles in the, earth, in, in, in the world around the church as it grew. But not for us. Sometimes I think the, the American church feels that we have come to a point that we are too good for that to happen to us. But I can tell you today, somewhere in the world, somebody is being harassed, martyred, taken in because of their faith. And yet I wonder, I have to wonder, why is it in the church in this country it's not happening? In some places it may be. But generally, we're pretty well secure from those kinds of things. I wonder how close it really could be. So we look at the passage today, we heard already the beginning and the end of this passage of Scripture. But much of the story can, is, happens in the in-between. And it really, the reality of our life is that, that we live a lot of our life in-between. We live our life between the last great thing that we happened and that we can remember and we can lift up and get excited about and wondering about what that is next that's going to lift us up again. And we, lift in this, and we live in this time of an in-between of, of remembering that last great event, whether it be good or positive or be it negative. And that weighs us down or that energizes us to a point of wondering what the next step will bring. It's what a lot of this passage is about, is, this, is the life that the church and Peter and Herod lived in between what we've read already and what the story, how the story ended. This passage in the journey of the early church really brings into focus, I think, the challenge of what that early church faced. Recently, in one of the past, in one of the Sunday mornings, we, uh, friends and foes, we we learned about about Stephen, the the deacon that had been martyred for his for his faith in his actions. But today, we we start out the passage of scripture where where James is taken by Herod because he intended to challenge those believers. He took him and killed him for his faith. But this brings that martyrdom to a, a, new, a new stage in the early church. Because see, deacon, while Stephen was the first one to be martyred, he was a, a deacon. And yet James, is the, the brother of John, was one of those twelve apostles that were chosen. So, so now the, the challenge of martyrdom and harassment of the church comes to to those very few that walked beside Jesus and, and began to be challenged and, and wonder what in the world is going to, to happen in these days. 
We see the impact of Herod on this new band of believers known at that time as the way. The way of Jesus calling his followers to become disciples. Anyone remember Herod in Scripture? This isn't probably the Herod you remember. Herod was, or this Herod, was Herod Agrippa I. He was grandson of Herod the Great who ruled in the days of Jesus' birth. And he was nephew of Herod Antipas, who was the Herod that participated in the trial of Jesus. So three Herods in, in the journey of this early church. As we look at all that was going on, even if you go back to chapter 11, I think it's pretty significant to the early church because in chapter 11, you know, Paul has already been saved and things are going great. We see a number of references even in chapter 11 that great numbers are being added to the, to the membership and those that are, are called to be the church. Man, things are going really good. The church is excited. They're going to everywhere. They're talking to everyone they see. And then, James is taken and martyred. And because it excited the Jewish population so much, Herod continued his path. And then it says, and he took Peter captive. With the intention of doing the same thing, with the intention of showing him off to the Jewish people, with his intention of showing it to the, to the non-believers to keep them from coming believers because of the fact that they were claiming Allegiance to a God in Herod wanted that position and they wouldn't do that to him. James is gone and Peter is captured. About that time, Herod. You know, from the excitement and the great things that are going on in the church to about that time, Herod. Where's this passage of Scripture? Where does this, this service today find you? Is it in the great times that the, that the church was experiencing in great numbers and lots of excitement going around? Or is it that after Herod and things have gone dreadfully wrong in your life and you're challenged even as you come here today? See, when we come to worship together with this number of people, we come with a, with a whole variety of needs and concerns and aches and pains and victories. And most of us sit there and the person next to us doesn't understand where we are. Because we've forgotten and we are afraid to share. We're afraid to tell other people that because they may think badly of us and and we don't receive the prayer support that we need. Tragedy happens. Our health fails. Our wealth disappears. Our friends disappoint us. Out of nowhere we are attacked. We are abused. We are taken prisoner in life. And we don't know where to go. See, James was taken. Herod had him killed. The Jews were pleased and we say, it's not fair. 
life comes down upon us and we say it's not fair. You know, I can't find anywhere in Scripture where it says a life in Christ is going to be fair in our eyes. More often than not, it talks about the challenges we will face, but it talks about the reality of of God being there with us to carry us through those hard times. As we live our life in Christ, we all need to remember that we're not exempt from the junk that life brings us. Herod had a prized possession in Peter. Captured him just before Passover. And if he's going to please the Jews, he has to hold him through Passover. Because that wouldn't be appropriate to do anything to him while Passover was going on in the eyes of the Jews. So Herod does something really strange here. He assigns four groups of guards to take care of him. Each group of guards had four soldiers in that group. Normally, a, a, a traditional prisoner, even the, the hardened criminals, they were, they were handcuffed to one guard. That seems sufficient, but Herod ordered these four, and so because of that, Peter was handcuffed not only to one, but to two guards. And the other two were assigned to guard the door. And they changed position, and they changed, they rotated that four groups of guards every three hours so that they'd be alert and they'd be awake, and certainly that Peter wouldn't escape. But Herod and his kingdom had his, had his kingdom and his soldiers, but Peter had his prayers and the prayers of the early church. Seems that this passage of Scripture is saying, early church, listen. James has been beheaded and Peter has been arrested and now you have your job to do. I think to us today in this contemporary church that we are in today, we must listen and say and acknowledge that the world is a challenge. Our friends and our members and those that, that we, we are foreign to are hurting and we have a job to do. We are called to pray. We are called to witness. We are called to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Christ to a world that needs it so badly. Can you imagine being there? You know, we're winning. We're winning and things are going great. And then James and then Peter. And then we gather in a house to pray together. Praying for God to do a miraculous thing. Scripture tells us that they were gathered and were involved in earnest prayer. Stretching all that they could for something that they were asking God for. Certainly to release Peter and to bring peace back to their lives. Using a Greek term there that would become a medical term later to describe the, the stretching the muscles to its limits. It's the same term that describes the early church's fervent prayer here as the same as that word that was described, describing Jesus' prayer in the garden. 
deep, earnest prayer with great, with great pain and great hurt in their lives and yet expecting God to do something miraculous. Church today, I guess I must ask, how do we pray? Maybe even more, do we pray when we need to? As a family of faith, do we pray that way? Or, or we, have we forgotten? Do we neglect? Do we even have the desire to seek God's face for ourselves, but also for those around us that are hurting? I wonder in the church today, have we forgotten that we have a great privilege, but also a great responsibility to pray? And to seek God's face for direction, for peace. But beyond that, do we expect God to respond? Do we expect God to respond to our prayers? See, I ask part of that because of what happens next. You know, that in-between time. Church, I mean, the, the Scripture says the church is in there praying God answers and sends an angel to, to put the guards asleep and the handcuffs fall open, the door goes wide open, the guards outside are asleep and Peter walks out. And he knows where they're praying, so he goes and he knocks on the door. And a young girl, as Scripture says, a young girl comes to the door and she recognizes Peter's voice, but rather than open the door, she goes back into the room where the adults are praying and says, guess what, Peter's at the door. And they say, silly little girl, <laughs> we know where Peter is. That's why we're in here praying. No, no, it's, got the, it's Peter out there. No, if you hear Peter's voice, that's just an angel of Peter out there that's tricking you. Finally, they go to the door and it is Peter. We say... Silly little early church, ye of little faith. Gathered in a room to, for God to do a miraculous thing and free Peter, and yet he's there, and you say, no way. But church today, how often is it our experience of prayer? When what we're praying for happens and we're saying, and either we take credit for it, we deny that it happened, and we excuse it away to the point that we forget that God provided what we prayed for. Peter was free now. Herod was angry. Sent the guards to search for Peter, and they, they couldn't find him, so the result was Peter, I mean, Herod had them murdered. All 16 of them. It's your fault. Herod continued his journey in life to raise himself up. Went down the road and showed himself in silver and gold to the people. They began to declare that certainly Herod would be God. And Herod enjoyed every bit of it until God said no. And the scripture says he lost his life when God sent the angels to strike him down. And he was eaten by the worms and died.
church, that is, each one of us individually and as a whole. Where does the passage of Scripture and a challenge of this passage of Scripture find us today? Where does it find us together? Where does it find us individually? Are we being a Herod in somebody's life? Do we feel like we've been that, that we're to James and have already been taken over and we don't have any purpose anymore? Are we a Peter in chains and waiting? Or are we a Peter that's freed? Are we a church that's praying? But are we a church that's truly believing and anticipating what God has for us? See, there's a whole lot of emotions and a whole lot of characters and a whole lot of reality in this passage. Could find each one of us in a different place. Today I wonder, can we expect enough from God for us to know when He answers our prayers? Can we minister and worship expecting God to use us and bring others to work alongside us? Can we believe that God still performs such miracles in people whose lives are in bondage? And that may be you. Let's pray. Father God, many times your scripture just speaks and yells out to us. It describes who we are and where we are in our faith experience. Father God, move in us. We believe you spoke to us today. It's time to respond to you. Whether that's where we are, whether that's going to someone to pray with them, whether that's coming and using this front of this church as a prayer altar, whether it's coming here to this place and saying, this is the day I need to turn my life over to Jesus. Maybe this is the place I need to join to become a part of this family of faith here.